Happy Monday morning, everyone. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Welcome to DC Signal to Noise. Of course, we've got Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer with us. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Live from Kansas City, Missouri at the Crop Insurance Agents are, you know, SEPA meeting, Chip. I hear that's a wild group, the Crop Insurance Agents. I'm sorry? I hear that's a pretty wild group. <laughs> that's why I'm running late this morning. We had, let's just say, a fest. Tippity, uh, you know, festival time last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Kansas City, good place to find uh, find a good steak, too, huh? Excellent. Oh, and I was at the Majestic last night. Oh. And it was superb. Superb. Good. Good. Good for you. Good for you. It does my heart good to see you out uh, uh, making the, the rounds on the speaking circuit again, dude. Well, I thank you, and I agree. And boy, they had a crowd last night at the reception. Colin Peterson is here. It was always good. A number of other lawmakers, uh, more than a few lobbyists uh, in town, and of, of course the crop insurance agents. And they're you, you talk about grassroots people. They're they're just like seed you know salesmanship. They know what they're talking about, and so it's a font of some things I can report, some things I can't report, and I I got a lot of information. Oh, good. Good. All right. Well, I want to start a little bit, as we do every week, with a bit of a look back. And this one's a bigger look back, Jim, because last week marked the 100th day of the Biden administration. Uh, what's your take? What, how's, how are things shaping up? The key word I would have is entitlements. When I look at the uh, $6 trillion three-part package. You know, we have the $1.9 trillion, you know, COVID aid package uh, in March. And then we have the $2.25 trillion uh, infrastructure. And then last week we had the $1.8 trillion, let's just call it social infrastructure package. But when you, you know, Biden said in his, uh, you know, speech to the uh, joint session of Congress, this is a a once-in-a-generation opportunity. But when you look at it, Chip, from a budget perspective, this will go on. So this this is really an entitlement. Uh, this is just not a one-shot. He, he and the Democrats are fundamentally trying to change the country, uh, much like Johnson did in the... Uh, um, in, in the Medicare and in, and uh, you know Medicaid days, so it's it's a fundamental shift. Yeah, a, a very lurching, lurching, you know, to the left, Jim. Yeah, it it absolutely does feel like a fundamental shift, Jim, and and a, so much of what is happening in this shift has been. I don't want to say that it's been detailed, but it's at least been um, uh, tested with some of the comments in the Green New Deal, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. because and Green New Deal isn't just it isn't just climate. Yeah, they they want to go so far so fast within a year and a half because they know we saw the redistricting, you know, you know glimpses the uh, you know population counts last week that just even increased the odds that the Republicans will regain control of the house in 2022 elections. And you know as well as I do that six months before the election, this you know the town shuts down. You don't do much of anything other than campaigning. So uh, Biden and his people, uh, some people would say handlers, uh, you know, figured they had a year and a half to get done 
their dramatic, uh, you know, uh, you know, lurching to the left that the party wants, that some in the party, most in the party now, you know, want to do. So this is an eye opener to me. I, I just have never seen an administration move so far so significantly. That's a fundamental change. Yeah. Uh, even uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, even even she made the comment that she is surprised at how progressive President Biden has been in the first hundred days. Absolutely. And that tells you all you need to know. And you're not seeing socialist Bernie Sanders complaining, are you? That says a lot there. So uh, you can never call Biden a moderate you know, Democrat now. You just simply cannot. And I do want to point out, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal editorial columns. It's almost like articles, Chip. They're that good. They had one today or over the weekend uh, that said, you know, these tax cuts, you have to look at the amount of money that it's going to take uh, for the IRS to administer them and enforce them. And, and, uh, and then you have the dragging uh, of, of the uh, impacts, the economic drag that you're going to have. The, those co initial costs for the IRS, they said, is anywhere from 10 cents to uh, uh, 30 cents or so per dollar. And then the drag on the economy is uh, way more way more of a drag. So I, I think it's an article one should read that, 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 that this could eventually put the top in the overall marketplace and lead to uh, uh, inflation as well. Yeah, a lot of those Wall Street Journal opinion pieces are more like research pieces. Is Absolutely. What, yeah, yeah, so uh, it, it was a good article over the weekend, no question about it. Uh, a little bit more broader picture looking back here real quick, Jim. April started with the Texas Stadium full of baseball fans and the East Coast, West Coast left-leaners saying that it's a super spreader event. It's one of the worst things that could have happened to kicking off May with the Kentucky Derby and 50,000 people in the stands and everybody now saying that it's a sign of progress. What changed in April to go from tech, you know, Texas Rangers being, you know, uh, just just ignoring science to the Derby being a sign of progress? I think it was it's getting harder for, for those who supported wearing masks all the time, Chip. It was getting harder for them to defend it. But, you know, we talked about this on AgriTalk last week when Biden gave his presentation. Uh, he could have done far more of a positive role uh, in Congress, if you will, from not wearing their mask, you know, uh, but they didn't. So you, you still have elements of that. But the science clearly says if you're outside, it, it significantly lowers the risk. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, I. I am going to take it as a sign of progress. Um, I am going to. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm on board with the idea that listen, if if you're going to tell everybody that that they should be getting their their vaccination, uh, and because it is as effective as it is claimed to be, that you better back it up and let's move on. Let's yeah. reopen this economy. 
We've got yeah, at the reception last night, there were over 200 people in the room and very few masks were on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, just in this last week, anything in particular that really you felt was a, a clear signal on the direction that, that the country's going? Well, uh, we still need details, although I will go back with uh, our, our interview with Secretary Vilsack. I think he for, for far better articulated what they uh, want to do with the 30 by 30, that if what he says is on the mark, and, and I have no you know, basis to doubt him, uh, they should have had that out before. So it won't be the land grab as uh, you know some of the people feared uh, on that one because they didn't have the details on it, Jeff. But I think they're getting closer. The signals I got with the end of the comment period on uh, on their smart climate and other uh, you know uh, and other conservation details that ended last <clears throat> Thursday. And I remembered uh, you know Billsack telling us they got over seventeen hundred comments. They're now perusing those, and I think that'll go in a long ways to help fill in the blanks of what they want to do in the weeks ahead here as they finally offer some details on their climate smart policy and agriculture and other endeavors. So I, I think we did make progress in that regard from, you know, the administration's position. Okay. I got several emails over the weekend encouraging me to stick with my, with, with the message that I've got, or I've been, I've been trying to send that ramping up the CRP is part of the climate answer solutions and increasing the acreage, getting more competitive with the bids, or just, a, you know, it, it, it puts farmers in a position where they're going to have to compete with the federal government to get a hold of some of this ground, Jim. And, yeah. and uh, I, 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 I think that's a, that's a conversation that farmers want us to continue to have. And, and we will, absolutely. Now, what I can say in my chat with Colin Peterson, remember, he put in the language in the last farm bill to to, uh, to to make it less competitive to the open market, you know, CRP land. And I asked him, I said, you know, you know, Mr. Secretary, how do you feel about the administration doing what they're doing? And he did say that he checked with them and they really didn't tell him yet of what types of incentives. So he goes, I'll take them for their word. I want to see what they're going to do. So that comes from Colin Peterson himself. Okay, so I again with this one, we, we, we need more details how they're going to do it. And, and I know you got to give them time, but but it was an odd signal that it's almost like 180 degrees from what they put in the 2018 farm bill. Yeah. Okay. Uh, take me into the week ahead, Jim. Give me something on biofuels that we all need to watch. Well, I would watch uh, EPA Administrator Michael Regan is coming to Iowa. So uh, they're, they're up to something, to unrolling some things out on biofuels and I think, I think climate smart uh, agriculture, where they're, you know, where they're going to go. So, and then on infrastructure chip, uh, Biden has invited the key GOP uh, a, a negotiator to a meeting at the White House this week. So we're going to see whether or not there can be bona fide, uh, you know, bipartisan talks or not, or whether this is just, you know, for show. But, you know, we're, 
we're going to see, you know, whether or not there will be a compromise. I think in the infrastructure, if they're smart, that they'll, you know, listen to some of the Republican uh, ideas. Because when you look at the pure infrastructure funding in the Republican plan, it totals more than what the Democrats would do for what we would call real infrastructure as opposed to the social infrastructure side. So I think we're going to see some developments this week, Jeff. Okay. The administration's willingness to to talk with the Republicans on on infrastructure, this is part of the, the I don't want to call it mixed signals, but it's kind of a, it, it's it's a blurring of the lines because on one hand, We've got the administration that seems to be so willing to advance a progressive agenda through the use of executive orders. And on the other hand, for the first time in, Jim, five years, for the first time in five years, we've got an administration and opposing party that appear to be willing to sit down and talk. It's, it's as a strange long as it's on their timeline, Chip, because Obama and his people constantly say, look, from the Obama years, we learned, we waited, this is their position, we waited and waited, and the Republicans drug it out to such a degree on health care reform and things like that, that they didn't get everything done that they wanted to. And so they're on a short timeline that I said before, this year and a half, that they want to be just pell-mell. Uh, you know, you know, you know, changes to this country, but it's it's a it's it's a move to socialism. I don't know whether there's another word. If these are social type programs that they want to um, uh, have a uh, ongoing you know funding mechanism, and th- as you bridge into agriculture, you know the Aggies, uh, the the commodity groups, and the lobbyists and the lawmakers, they know how to spend a lot of money. They smell trillions of dollars in this, billions and trillions. You're seeing Booker, you know, Senator Booker, New Jersey, late last week came out and said he wants to pump a lot more money, I think $20 billion more into conservation spending. Your farm bill has begun already, Chip. That's trying to get that baseline increased. And the Democrats uh, really push conservation when it comes to, you know, farm bill policy. So, Uh, You're seeing developments in that front. And by the way, Booker also came out in support of the food box program. He wants to see it returned. So that that, you know, that raised a few eyebrows in town over the weekend. Yeah. Interesting. That food box program, obviously, very. You kind of got to be careful in how you describe it for the dairy industry, because on one hand, it was very popular because of the demand that it created. On the other hand, the volatility that it created in some of the pricing was a little tough to manage at some time. So, yeah, uh, but it does have an influence on that dairy market. Boy, there's no question about that. Very sensitive. And that's why, you know, USDA basically kept a chip and changed the name. So. Yeah. But but I tell you, it you know that program was so big and so fast that yeah, there was some a lot of inefficiencies, unintended consequences. But as it as it uh, you know continued in the Trump administration, I think they got better and better at it. So, but then it's everything's politicized, and they're just moving on with another name. Okay, all right, Jim, a, uh, a friend of mine talked with him over the weekend. He he operates. A few Subway sandwich shops, okay? And 
he is having to reduce store hours. He is considering closing a couple of his shops and redistributing his workforce out through the other shops so that he can keep them open. They, and it's not just restaurants that are dealing with this. It's all kinds of businesses where they just simply cannot get the workforce to come back to work. Now, the unemployment benefits that are in place right now are going to stay in place until September, right? Yes. And the question I'm asking the congressional staffers here, what odds would they give for the Democrats to extend that chip? Every one of them said it will be extended further. That, it, that cannot happen. It will put the it will put businesses out out of business. It, they'll close their doors. I, I, I talked to more than a few crop insurance agents who want to expand their personnel in their offices. And where uh, in the past they told me they had twenty five applicants, you know, per open position. Now it's five. Okay. In a number of restaurants uh, in Kansas City, and I know in D.C. They wall off the, the, the seating area, uh, and it's not because of COVID. They don't have the number of workers for the people so the, for, for the people coming in. So they have to limit the number of people coming in for the lack of personnel to service them. So it, it, that confirms what you're hearing and, and saying. And if Congress does do this, uh, and, and I think the, that that'll take them through uh, 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 well, I didn't have one one congressional aide say that they wouldn't extend it. And I don't think that's in the marketplace now, Jeff. I really don't. No way. No, no way. And it's not that these employers aren't offering a better package or those those workers. They could make more if they would come back to work. OK, yeah. but. The package that they've got right now is good enough to keep them home. Yeah, I and wonder that you know. I, I that's when I get you know back uh, you know Wednesday in town. I want to figure out is this true, and two, will they modify it at all? Maybe a, a, a you know a lower package, but still attractive enough for to to uh, you know keep uh, you know amenable workers out of the you know, marketplace, but it's starting to drag. It's it's starting to put a temper on the U.S. economy, uh, especially the second half this year. You watch it. The, the, we had, what, 6.4% GDP the first quarter. We might have even high. We should have higher in the second quarter because of the built-in momentum of, of all this, you know, money, uh, you know, that's out there. But although the consensus is saying we're going to have a good third and fourth quarter, the other people that I monitor are yeah. saying, well, not so fast here because of some of these snags that we're talking right. about. Right. Absolutely. If, if, um, if there's an extension of these unemployment benefits, I'm going to take my economic outlook down for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, are you hearing, this is coming uh, from Gary, one of the comments out there. Uh, Jim, are you hearing more and more about ESG scores. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with ESG. Are you? Is that relative to CRP? Is, Gary, if you could chime in, 
back at us. Is that uh, relative to the Conservation Reserve Program? That, that would be EBI scores, Environmental EBI, Benefit yes. Index scores. Yeah, I talked about that last night to Colin Peterson. He, he thinks that that needs to have a review on their EBI requirements. I, I really don't know ESG. Okay. Gary, if you could give us a little bit more on that, we'd be happy to. And we'll bone up on it. Whatever yeah. We can. yeah, and then Jennifer makes a, a comment here, too, uh, when we were talking about the unemployment benefits, that that's exactly what the government wants. They want everyone dependent on the government. This is not new. It may not be new, Jennifer, but it's never been as in your face as it is right now, Jim. Yeah, what we had, remember when Bill Clinton, the Democrat, said the year of big government is gone? Well, it's back yep. and in yep. spades. I, this is a huge government. Economic oh. social governance score basically is scoring how woke you are. Oh, gosh. Uh -huh. I can't comment on that, Gary. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to look into it, though. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the heads up on that yeah. one. Well, yeah. yeah, we'll check it. That, that's an interesting yeah. one. See, yeah. we, learned too. we learned too from this show. That's right. We will look into it, Gary. Thank you. What yeah. is up with Sid Miller down in Texas suing the uh, suing USDA? Is that right? Yes. And then you have another a group of five farmers uh, late last week uh, in a separate track is, is, is suing, you know, USDA. And, you know, you know, this is going to go to the Supreme Court eventually. So we're talking time chip on this one but uh, this first surfaced when uh when they initially announced that four you know billion dollar you know, you know package and another billion dollars for you know technical assistance what i call selected minority groups not total uh so the 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 legal people i talked with said this is you watch this this is going to be challenged and that's exactly the case what's going on Okay. Uh, we can't run out of time without going international here for a little bit, Jim, because it seems like China, others continue to test the resolve of the Biden administration and just they're, they're trying to see just how much ground they might be able to take. Yeah, but I'll tell you, Chip, Saturday, I wanted to take a day off Saturday, but my phones lit up on two countries, China and Brazil. And these are people I've known for 30 years, a consistent panel I have. In China, they continue to say that China's uh, getting some people who are saying too much information is coming out uh, on their corn needs. They're, they're in trouble now. That's all I'll tell you right now. So that tells me China's corn needs is even higher than most people think. Uh, and then on Brazil, I, I don't have to guess anymore. That safrina crop, like the winter uh, corn crop, is going down fast. Yeah. The best sources I have is saying it's in the low 90s, Jeff, 90 million tons. For our perspective, USDA's current estimate is 109 million tons. If that's the case, I ask those analysts and traders, what's the impact? And they go, it just your their eyes got, you know, I could their volume of their 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 voice got up. We're going to see new new highs in corn and soybeans, historical highs. You're going to have a fobbing logistics problem this fall 
because of the rush to, to import and to export both corn and soybeans at the same time, Chip. So it's, uh, I, 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 and I can easily forecast that now. I believe my sources when they're in consensus like that, and they've been around for over 30 years. Okay, that that's interesting. You know, um, we, we talk about that South American supply in million metric tons, but when you start talking about taking 10 million metric tons off of that Brazilian crop, it's that's 400 million bushels of corn, guys. Uh, that That is corn that was going to fill a need somewhere around the world, and it's all going to come down to how badly does that need need to be filled because they'll come after the U.S. corn. We've already seen 758 on May corn futures. Now, it's in the delivery period. But uh, July corn futures also knocking on the door at seven dollars. This is this this is one of the most dynamic markets that that I've ever seen. And when you when you throw into that the fact that we've just gone through the expansion, the position expansion for the professional trading funds, it this this market's got. This market's got room to run. It's still got legs on it. I'm not predicting that that's going to happen. I'm not predicting that it's going to go down because you cannot predict in this market anymore, Jim. Yeah, and but this is why you're front end loaded in the futures market. That's that's talking. The market's talking. They they need the corn. They think that maybe some countries have overcommitted uh, too soon on the export market. So yeah, you you've got a bullish pot just brewing here. Uh, yeah. You know, yep from that. And I want to bring a government angle into this. Again, USDA is 109. They're going to be under the gun again. If they don't drop this, then the question can be asked of, you know, some pretty good people are out there saying you could be 15 to 20 million tons too high. So it, so if, if, if they hold too, too long on this one, that's another negative on, on, on USDA's, uh, you know, world board, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, um, uh, forecasting ability. So we're going to see it sets up the next Wasdy report as a major factor. Yeah, I was just looking to see when that was. It's May twelfth. Uh, that's what I thought it was. But not only are we going to be looking very closely at the South American production estimates in that May twelfth supply and demand report, it's also the first official look at the two thousand twenty one twenty two marketing year for corn, soybeans, and 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 wheat. Uh, cotton, uh, the the U.S. quantity. So obviously, it's going to be a very important report for us when we get to May 12. Give me, give me a take on Bustos. Why is Sherry not re running for re-election? Well, she barely won. I think yeah. her last one. I know, and uh, so I, I think she probably thought she would lose because you're, you're, this is the first of, of a growing number of Democrats. Uh, who probably are going to announce what she did, Chip? That this is this is what the political analyst, election year analyst, always look at. And uh, I think this is the first. You know, she, she wasn't the first in her party not to run. I think there were four others before her. Uh, but she was uh, well received in her district. Yeah. She was very articulate. The biofuels industry just yes. loved her because she. She, she knew what she was talking about, and she was a moderate in many regards, even though she headed up their re-election campaign the last time. 
when she wasn't in that capacity, she was a pretty good moderate lawmaker from Illinois, and there's not many in, in that state. So I think it's a clear signal that uh, caught people by surprise. They thought she would still run. But uh, no, I think it's a clear signal. I, ho I hope that someone picks up her Next Gen Fuels Act and advances that as aggressively as Representative Bustos has been has been pushing it. So hopefully that will happen. Sure. Hopefully that will happen. Any last any last minute things that you're watching for this week, Jim? Well, this week they, they've got a panel here of really good people on climate change for agriculture. So I can't wait to, to hear that and see what I can report because some of these things are off the record. So it's background, things like that. So these are the types of things where we as writers and, and reporters and analysts kind of you know, get our background information. So that's kind of, you know, you know, what I'm looking at, Chip. But I'll go back again to the marketplace. We're seeing a Bitcoin type atmosphere in the in the corn and soybean markets. And we haven't seen this uh, really since the last time we made those historical highs. And uh, this has shades of uh, this. This thing has legs, legs yeah. on it. But but the 843 and a half or quarter high that we made on August 23rd, 2012, everybody could see it happening because we were in the middle of the drought. Yeah. This is something different. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to put a lot of volume on this afternoon's crop progress report, Jim. I know some large, large producers that for the first time ever, wrapped up corn and soybean plantings before May 1, for mm. the first time ever. I'm hearing some of that from farmers here on it. Yeah. The former RMA administrator under the Trump administration told me he, he's just, it's growing. He goes, it's like, you know, he put his hand. It's already this high, and he's never seen it this high so soon. You know, so uh, he he was excited about it without getting too giddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I but then you uh, talk to the North Dakota people and they look down. That's oh, really dry and getting drier. Oh yes, dry and getting yeah. drier. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be amplifying the uh, the early season crop conditions and planning progress and everything this week. Jim, buddy, we're out of time. Be safe down there in Kansas City. Have safe travels. And we will talk to you next week on DC Signal to Noise.